You guys sound beautiful. I don't know about you, but I've been listening to Christmas music for quite a while. I, I do that every year. I have a very extensive playlist of various Christmas songs, and most of them were written to be sung like this in a group. They were written for the church to praise God this time of year. It's an incredible thing if you think about it. So thank you for sharing in that with us. Tonight is a special, special, special night, usually followed by the Christmas activities and everything else, but this year is a little bit different. Tonight, we're going to celebrate everything but Jesus' birth. We're going right up to that moment because tomorrow morning we get to gather as sons and daughters of the God Most High to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. Now, this only happens on average every seven years, and if you haven't looked at the calendar to know, the next time this will happen is 11 years from now. So in 2033 will be the next time that Christmas is on a Sunday. How will your life be different in 11 years? Parents, very few of you have children at home. They've all been graduated, moved out. Les is like, what are you talking about, 11 years? Les, you'll be here in 11 years. It's okay. We promise. I, you know, you're going to be here. You'll be here. It'll be great. Good. That's right. So tomorrow, it makes a very special day for the, bar, the bride of Christ, and I can't wait to celebrate that with you as we get to throw a birthday party, literally, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So please, please be with us. Tonight, we get to build that anticipation Tonight, we get to leave here in a spirit literally of excitement as we eagerly await his official arrival. Tonight, we will not read all of the traditional Christmas story as you would usually at a Christmas Eve service because tomorrow, we get to finish the story. We're going to stop short of that moment and save that for tomorrow. This outrageous night that we are going to celebrate together tonight it's been in the making for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Literally, before the creation of the world, there was a plan to send Jesus to be born on this very night. Now, that's hard for me to imagine, that kind of planning. I struggle to plan what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow. So, I, yeah. But every element of this night, every element that you know to be that Christmas story, was planned out before time on this earth even began. In Genesis, as we've alluded to the last few weeks, God reveals a very simple, vague description when he talks to Eve and Adam and he talks to Satan and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's from Genesis 3.15. And so from that moment on, the physical plan began, a plan which led to this night, this outrageous plan that involved this young woman named Mary to be the earthly mother of our Messiah, a plan that chose a godly man named Joseph to marry this young lady in spite of the outrageous nature, unbelievable nature, in fact, of her pregnancy, a plan that seemed to take a very unfortunate detour, if you will, as those famous words went out. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their town to register, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's be really honest, that decree stinks a lot. 
for a nine-month pregnant woman who now has to travel 90 miles or so, not by plane, train, or automobile, but probably by walking. We always picture her on a donkey, but ladies, think about it. Would you ride on a donkey nine months pregnant? Probably not. That would hurt a lot, I would assume. A trip that probably took between four and seven days. It was rugged. It was strenuous. It was dangerous in those times. And yes, she was still nine months pregnant. That was probably not part of their plan for the birth of this child whom they were to call Jesus. But from before the creation of the world, this was God's plan all along. They arrived tired and lonely. The plan seemed to fail further as they're left with nowhere to stay. They resort to the only available spot they could find, some sort of small stable or barn-type structure. We know it housed at least some animals, though we don't know which animals. We just know there was a manger, which was used to feed them. Definitely not the plan that Mary had in mind. Imagine, if you will, being her from the moment that angel gave her this announcement, the moment she met with Elizabeth, all of the excitement, all of the anticipation of this moment, and this is what's happening. I don't think she thought this is how it would all play out. I don't think the angel shared with her this part of the plan, if you will. So what was really happening on the night before Christmas. We're all probably familiar with a, an old poem that was written about this night back in 1822. Some of you know the words, "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the, <laughs> by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. And on it continues." Now, there were a few more things, probably a little more important to consider on that night, 2,000 years before that poem was written. So it was a night before Christmas in the Roman Empire, and the people of the Roman Empire were probably pretty self-sufficient, self-consumed. They were doing their own thing. You see, Rome kind of had everything at that point. It was the height of their empire. They ruled the world. They had a strong leader in Caesar Augustus, a strong economy. They could take care of their own needs. People lived to fulfill their own selfish desires in every area of life. Sound familiar? Rome ruled the world. So they weren't looking or aware of even the possibility of a coming Messiah or Savior. They would have no need for such a thing. But there were still devout Jews throughout the Roman Empire, and they had spread far and wide by this point that might have still been holding on to a little hope that their Messiah would come someday soon. Ah, it was the night before Christmas in Jerusalem, and the people were hopeless. You see, the Jewish people had been waiting for so long for God's promised Messiah that I'm sure many of them had given up hope. It had been too long, and Rome was too powerful. But in the story of Jesus' birth, we learn that there were at least two people, there were many more, but there are two mentioned by name who had not given up hope. A priest named Simeon and a woman named Anna kept believing. They didn't know when and they didn't have any clue how, but they held on a little longer to God's hope, the promise that God had made to the world. Thought was the night before Christmas in Bethlehem. Yes, the town. The people there, they would have been completely preoccupied. 
They would have been busy, much like many of us this time of year. They would have been scrambling around to clean their homes and prepare for all of these visitors that would be traveling to their hometown, probably all the while angry at the Roman government for even taking such a census to collect more taxes. The hope of the Messiah coming was probably the farthest thing from their minds, and even if it was a thought, surely it wouldn't happen there in little old Bethlehem, right? The night before Jesus came, the Bible tells us that there was still a curse that had infested the whole earth, the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve chose their own rebellious ways, mankind fell from God's grace and favor. And the Bible says that God cursed the earth. Sin brought suffering, toil, difficulty, trouble, pain, and eventually physical death. And that's the way it had continued century after century. One last thing on this end. The night before Christmas, heaven, well, heaven was silent. You see, as history was written, the prophets came. Men of God came with a word from heaven. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, David, and countless others came to share the word of God. But recently, it was silent. The prophet Malachi closed off the sacred writings of the Old Testament. For 400 years, it had been silent. Still, people came to the temples, came to the synagogues, but there was no new revelation for the people. The night before Christmas came, some men were looking for a Savior. From the, the time that man had sinned, God promised, he gave, he gave us this precious promise, a promise that the prophets repeated time after time after time. A promise was of this coming Savior, that God would not leave the earth under this curse, that he would not leave creation to that form of destruction. He promised to send a deliverer, someone to, way, to make a way back to Eden, if you will, a way back to God, to restore that relationship with God. But they were all looking for someone different. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the earth, every creature was stirring, awaiting a birth. The time for Messiah was certainly near. The prophets foretold it. The Bible was clear. From the book of beginnings, the very first sin, God's word made it clear how his grace entered in. Born of a virgin, he'd come as a man, the creator among us. The time was at hand. The stars were arranged to show marvelous things, setting wise men to journey to find the true king. Shepherds in Bethlehem gazed on the sky, longing to see him, their Lord, the Most High. How could they know that the very next night an angel of God would speak words of delight, how the Savior was born? It was news of great joy in a cloth and a manger. They'd find the dear boy, and a heavenly host would soon join to sing of the glory of God and of wonderful things. He entered creation, set position aside to show us how deeply his love did abide. Sin sent us away from our almighty Lord. He became one of us so that we might be restored. He's the prince of our peace. He's the one who makes whole. He's the wisdom incarnate, the shepherd of souls. He's the author of life, the ruler of all. He can offer salvation on his name we call. The shepherds and wise men would bow to adore a holy God among men, our greatest reward. All glory and honor is due to this King. Let us all join to worship. Let every tongue sing. 
Jesus is Lord, all creation proclaims. He's the first and last. He's always the same. History turned on that first Christmas day when God became man in a humble display. As we think of the manger in which he was laid, our hearts welcome him to the world that he made. Churches, we think about the Jewish faith and we think about the people waiting their Messiah for so very long. It has been 2,000 years since he was here. And once again, his people are waiting. This time, of course, for his return. What amazing things we have to worship and celebrate tonight and tomorrow morning with the birth of our Savior. Father God, as we contemplate what the world was going through at the moment you physically arrived, how incredible it is that we are in a place that even with the cold and the wind and the snow, we can gather to reflect and remember the choice you made to come to this earth. And as we gather with our family and friends over the next few days to celebrate that, may we, may we be the ones that bring that light. May we be the ones that bring that story into those celebrations, for that is the reason that we gather. As we partake of communion later, Father, may we remember that this is where it began. This was that first step on the road to Calvary, the cross that leads to our salvation. Father, if there's anyone here tonight in this just intimate moment that's struggling, maybe with the season, maybe with events that have happened around them, Father, maybe with some kind of personal struggle or issue. Father, would they just use this time tonight to connect with you in a way that they have never connected before. They can stay seated as long as they need to. They can come forward and be prayed over. I'd love to pray on their behalf to their Heavenly Father. Father, just like you came on this night and entered into a new relationship with mankind, there's always an opportunity for mankind to come before you and enter into a relationship with you. The relationship we were all created for. The relationship we all began with in that garden through Adam. But Father, that was torn away and our sin separates us from you. And so, if we've never initiated that relationship with you, tonight is the night. Today is the day. That's why you came. Father, we love you.